You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 169 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. I know, I'd, forgot, I'd almost forgotten what the kitchen studio looked like. I it's can't very believe we're actually... Yeah, it is very kitcheny. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a kitchen studio. <laughs> I know, it's lovely, isn't it? It's nice to be back here. I know, I know. Well, we have been relegated, but the only reason we're back in here, I should just stress, is because Gemma's going out. Yeah. So we're allowed in the kitchen yeah. again today. The wife's going out. <laughs> Absolutely. She's going out, yeah. yeah oh, sorry. Oh, she's still oh. here. Oh. I thought she'd gone. Oh, no, we're in oh, trouble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, whoops. So uh. it is the... <laughs> si- oh, right. oh. See, see you at two in the morning, dear. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever time I've got to come pick you up from wherever you're going. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, it is the... Um, Welcome to the car crash that is, PTUK. I know, it's lovely. It's 16th of June. It is 22 minutes past seven in the evening here. It's uh, probably different all around the world, wherever yes. you guys are all yes. listening to right now. <laughs> but we have got loads of people in the chat room. We have. As usual. And we have got... We've got uh, Jennifer's in the chat room. Cheryl Mandrake, Hillel, Mariana, Mark Harvey, Jennifer, Rory Thomas, Mandrake... Let me just scroll up. We've got uh, our Neville Bounds, our blue spanner ah, of, uh, the, of the blue scanner of death. Scanner, scanner. scanner. <laughs> yeah, Hillel, <laughs> Philip I'm Davis. I'm just on the squash. I should just say. Uh, Don <laughs> Sebastian. <laughs> bye, bye, bye wife. Yeah. Bye, wife. <laughs> and Liz Piper as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm on the, the squash. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Philip Davis, Jeff Braithwaite, and I hope I haven't missed anyone out. But thank you for all joining us. On this uh, rather lovely evening, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, well, no, it marvelous. was lovely, and uh, we were almost about to do a, a show outside, and then mm. it just sort of suddenly went a bit dark and unpleasant, so, yes. we, so we retired to the kitchen. Yes. But we do have a guest joining us on the do show we? this right. evening, <laughs> Okay, all the way from sunny California, and uh, we're going to just play this little piece of music to introduce our special guest. Should I, should I be standing up? Yeah, we'll stand up. <laughs> yeah, Hold on, we'll stand up. Hang on, let's go to the window. There we are. Very good. Very appropriate. It's very appropriate. I have to shout now because we're not near the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I don't know what's going on I know, here. I know, I've officially I know. lost control. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to say a massive warm welcome to our special guest host this evening. <laughs> He's the uh, one of the fabulous uh, co or co-hosts of the Airplane Geeks podcast. It's Brian Coleman. Hello, hello, hello! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on, guys. Oh, it's and it's only eleven twenty-five a.m. here, and you guys have driven me to the point of making a decision. Uh-oh. Which which do I go with? <laughs> oh, oh, oh no! Mm, now, oh, wolf, what is wolf, wolf IPA, uh, wolf IPA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to point the way IPA. So you yeah. say wolf, wolf among wolf among the weeds. Okay, wolf among the so, weeds. So is, are we really that bad? Are we dri- we're driving people to drink first in the thing morning. in the morning. This, this, in the is, morning. this is worrying you. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, cheers, everyone. We're all we're all sponsoring beer this yeah, evening absolutely. Uh, in some way, shape, yeah, or form in, in the uh, in the on the yeah. show. Except for poor Matt. Once again, as I said earlier, he's, uh, yeah, he's on the squash. So he's he but then. Uh, oh yeah, no, the camera's over here. Sorry, I, I moved the. Camera. 
<laughs> this is going really well, isn't it? Actually, I've got a special. We're so professional. I've got a special announcement, actually. Have you? Uh, which I haven't told you about, Matt. So this will be a surprise. Okay. This will be a surprise for you. Know you know I don't like surprises. I know, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, right, yeah. Well, actually, I only found out this week at work. But um, for those of you who, uh, who have purchased a T-shirt uh, via the website, you'll know our model, our T-shirt model, who uh, we've, who we've Caton, had here in yes. the studio with mm-hmm. us, Mr. Caton, Mr. Mm-hmm. Matt Caton. He is a brewer of beer. <gasps> oh, yes, yes, and yes. And Mr. Caton has this week nearly finished brewing his first batch of <gasps> PTUK IPA. Oh, <laughs> now that. And it that should, should be ready hopefully next week. I'm That's hoping. fantastic. Um, I know. He's, okay. he's ever so excited. He, he's put together a, a recipe using okay. various different hops and stuff. And, right. And stuff. And he's, yeah, he's produced a, a PTUK IPA. We need to get in, con- in, 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 in contact with Miss, Mr. Uh, Mr. Furlong immediately. We need, we need branding and labels. I know, and, God, blimey. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, we're not going to be shipping this out to no, uh, no, no. Uh, the no, States. But we'll, we'll obviously let everyone know exactly how, how the, uh, the beer tastes. But... Uh, yeah, it's his first batch, so hopefully if it's good... Yeah. Yeah, you know, we... Well, it's uh, very exciting. Well, of course it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll yeah, be good. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, a new person in the chat room here, actually. We've got a chap by the name of Shorty Cosgrove. He says, hello from the aviation capital home of the Wright Brothers. Oh, hello, Shorty Cosgrove. That's welcome, very cool. Welcome, in Ohio. Uh, yeah, welcome absolutely. into the chat room. And Mark Harvey, welcome uh, welcome along as well. Uh, it's uh, still a good beer class there, Sharps Brewery. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not quite the same when it's got My, squash in it. No, mine's... Yeah. mine's in a in a in an APG pint glass. Oh, there we go. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So, um, uh, yes. well, we better start. We had better do yeah, some show. Yes, as we yeah. are running a bit late, but uh, yeah. yeah. Again, thanks <laughs> no to there, thanks to everyone for joining us on yeah. the show. As uh, as uh, Brian's going to assist us with the stories mm. with his various comments on how wonderful everything is. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's Actually, any United I stories in there. Say, yeah, no, I don't think there are any United oh, stories. Dear. Unfortunately. Oh, excellent. They get a night off. Sorry, Brian. What a result. Well, well, but if them last night so i have one of my own oh, well, oh okay we we'll Results. save that then That's we'll leave good. that one for you later <laughs> on absolutely so we're going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the uk so if you're ready matt uh, yes 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 i am and if you're ready brian i am ready let's go So, kicking off this week's first news story, this one is on the independent.co.uk website. And the headline is one of those ones that hit the headlines a few weeks back mm. regarding British Airways and its IT collapse. So, apparently the figures are in and uh, apparently the, the IT collapse that BA had uh, a few weeks back has cost BA Eighty million pounds. Wow! <laughs> Actually, that's lower than I thought it was going to be. I've got to be honest. So that's the bill for the bank holiday weekend IT fiasco, according to the boss of the airlines holding company IAG. Uh, Willie Walsh, chief executive of IAG, told shareholders on the May the twenty seventh British Airways that uh, that had suffered a power failure to its primary data centre, which led to severe di- uh, disruption to its flights at the beginning of the uh, UK half term school holiday. 
Mr. Walsh described it as a dreadful experience for many of our customers and said that uh, they are truly sorry for what happened. But he rejected suggestions that outsourcing was responsible for the IT collapse, saying this failure had absolutely nothing to do with changes to the way we resource our IT systems and services. He described the re uh, restoration of the failed systems as an outstanding achievement by the teams involved, given the nature and extent of the damage suffered. They should have rang you and Nev. <laughs> yeah. um, at the IAG annual general meeting, Mr. Walsh said that BA is seeking to compensate the passengers on the 726 cancelled flights goodness me. as That's soon number, as isn't it? possible. I know, I know. <laughs> 726 cancelled flights. So passengers at Heathrow wow. faced further problems on Thursday um, uh, when uh, a bear, the airport's baggage system failed at Terminals 3 and 5. Mm. Uh, British Airways is telling passengers that all of the delayed bags from baggage system outages have all been sorted into their destination order and the vast majority were flown from Heathrow on alternative flights throughout Thursday. That was yesterday. Mm, yeah. uh, some cities are not served on a daily basis or uh, only have one service per day, BA have said. So so I take it, obviously, Brian, you heard about uh, the... Um, the problem yes. with the uh, Spectrum <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus 2 yeah. computer that BA have. Right, okay, that, that for, melted. For yeah, IT. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I find it really kind of inexcusable that something like that would happen, that the backup recovery systems aren't working. It's just, um, the yeah, they, they're probably interviewing a new CIO right now. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean I, I've said before, I have a theory. I don't believe them. I don't think it was um, a power outage like what they're claiming. Oh. I, I, that is my theory. Really? Yeah. No, I oh, don't. no, I, I absolutely could see something like this happening. Yeah. it's. Uh, I Delta experienced one not too long ago. I believe United had had one. So absolutely. The, tragic stuff like this happens all the time. Yeah, really? But you what? Yeah. We're relying on one data, like sort of basically. Well, I mean, they reckoned there was two data servers that both failed, uh, yeah. uh, both outed by the same. They're on the same. They're on the same plug socket. I don't get. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I mean, I. I, don't I know, know it's crazy, but yeah, I, I absolutely can see it happen. But the fact that their systems are so um, uh, uh, easy to fall over like that—that's that's the tragic part. Yeah, well, and it's and it's kind of like a a hard drive on your computer, right? There are two types of hard drives: those that have failed and those that will fail. Okay. And yeah. and <laughs> so many people are really good at doing a backup. When was the last time you or anyone ever did a restore? And um, the answer is probably never. No one tests the what happens when someone pulls the plug. Right. What happens when the hard drive fails? No one tests that. That's why they I should, to an SSD. but they don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I have mm. to confess I do, but then uh, I usually, I usually, well, I, I don't necessarily do a restore, but I, I will usually mm. actually test my data to make sure that I can retrieve files from it. And that, I have to confess, that from my point of view comes back from a time because I used to work on tapes. So I was doing sort of, you know, on DAT tapes and things like that for, for, for backing up data. So I got sure. very good at testing and, and recalling files just because I'd had my fingers burnt once before. I'm just surprised that, you know, when, when you have outsourced this to another company, I'm just mm. surprised that they haven't already experienced something like that themselves, therefore been a bit more careful. 
Well, but, uh, yeah. apparently it's it's been outsourced now. Fisher Price have got the contract. Have they? Good so, news, yeah, absolutely. That'd be nice. It'd be, very, it'd be very robust then. <laughs> yeah, and not at all dangerous to under fives, <laughs> which is great. Well, so moving on to <laughs> yeah. uh, to the next story, which uh, is uh, all yours, Matt. It's Indeed. actually a nice story for is you it? for a change. Okay. Yeah. Well, story number two, as it always seems to be, is a Ryanair story. This is the. Oh, hello. Uh, this is the Bloomberg.com website, and the headline is Ryanair evaluates biggest Boeing 737 as EasyJet mulls more A321s. Have they got A321s then? No, 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 no. Oh, they're mulling it over. Right, okay, yes, sorry. So uh, Ryanair Holdings PLC is evaluating ordering bigger versions of the Boeing 737 single-aisle workhorse in a move aimed at boosting capacity on its longest route which could put additional pressure on rivals. Uh, Europe's largest discount airline is examining the business case for both the 737 MAX 9s and MAX 10s. Chief Marketing Officer Kenny Jacobs said in an interview Wednesday, the Dublin-based Ryanair uh, has previously ordered only 737-800s and its successor, the MAX 8. Buying bigger planes would allow Ryanair to increase capacity on its longest routes, such as Glasgow to Lanzarote or services to Israel, where the flying time limits aircraft utilisation. Said at the uh, Bloomberg's European headquarters in London, there's no prospect of the carrier ordering the jets at next week's Paris Air Show. He added, saying such a move would be very premature. We're a good customer of Boeing, and we will be all. We will always talk to them about different models, including the Max 9 and 10. Jacob said a bigger aircraft wouldn't change our operating model. It's just that you can get more people on it and enhance the cost per unit. We're not interested in having a varied fleet. Ryanair holds firm orders for 100 Max 200s. That's the high-density version of the Max 8, plus the same number of options, uh, plus the same number of options. Uh, whilst uh, a Max 9 or 10 purchase could, in theory, come from converting some of those existing commitments, the airline intends to firm up its options as stipulated when the time comes, so that buying bigger planes would almost certainly entail a wholly new deal, Jacobs has indicated. The carrier would likely have a limited requirement for large jets, the executive said, deploying them only at the extremities of its operations. Ryanair would be following low-cost rival EasyJet PLC in embracing bigger planes with the UK company last month switching orders for 30 186 Airbus SEA320 Nero aircraft to the A321 Neo. Um, not Nero, sorry, Neo. <laughs> Neo. Uh, the A321, <laughs> uh, which has 49 more seats. EasyJet will look at converting more of its remaining 70 A320 Neo commitments to the bigger jet. Chief Executive, uh, the Chief Executive has indicated. So anyway, you, but basically you get the, uh, the gist of the story. They're giving some serious consideration about maybe, uh, and I suppose it kind of makes sense on, on a larger part of the, the you know, on, on the, as you say, on the outer extremities of their, their route, because you, it's more bums on seats isn't it? it it's about it's about 20 people 20 uh, seats on the 737 max 200 yeah. which is the, the the high density max 8 um they've uh, they've got a maximum seating on there up to 200 max yeah. uh, p uh, passengers on the max 9 that increases to 220 passengers right. in the maximum configuration okay. um but they all have a seat pitch of 29 inches on okay. the highest density and how does that fare of, in um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. There we yeah. go. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Fair enough. Uh, actually, just, just if, if, if like me, because I'm, I'm a bit obsessed with politics here in the UK at the moment, and if you are a bit obsessed like Brexit, as I seem to be becoming, there is a very interesting video. This is on the Bloomberg.com website, and if you search for Ryanair and uh, Boeing, you, you will almost certainly find it. And there's a very fascinating interview with Kenny Jacobs, um, with, with one of the guys from uh, Bloomberg. They're talking about the whole Brexit situation, the open skies and the growth. And it is actually, seriously, it's quite an interesting interview. If, if you are interested in politics yeah all right okay well, it's just me that's interested in politics then. Fair enough. Uh, okay but right. uh, no I, I okay just... so getting back to this story i think yeah. one of the interesting things is uh in them looking at the the max 10 yeah. i just wonder when they're going to come over to the u.s uh so that'll be that'll be fun i also think the max 10 actually looks like what an airplane should look like as opposed right. to let's say the mm. 737 mm. 700 I, I, it's way too short and stubby, and that to me is just a very funny-looking aircraft. So <laughs> yeah. I, I find it uh, the ten being what the what what the airplane should look like. Yeah. Well, and of course, uh, I mean, I mean, like people like Huawei and things are now sort of doing exactly that, aren't they? They're sort of toying with the idea. You know, they're they're starting their sort of low-cost transatlantic routes, aren't they? So oh, I, yeah. I'd be very amazed. Oh, they've if... been doing it. Yes, they're into Los Angeles and San Francisco mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and I, I can't, I can't see, especially if that proves to be successful. I really can't see someone like O'Leary not sort of trying to get his hands on at least some of that market. You know, even if he's doing some, say, I'll, I'll say from Stansted to, um, you know, some, you know, to, to Los Angeles. I think with EasyJet as well. EasyJet are obviously, but they're they're upgrading to the three twenty one Neos. And, yeah. Um, I think uh, Ryanair have got to try and. You know, keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> right, okay. Um, but I mean, uh, Brian, you you were saying. So, I mean, really, what, I mean, what are the big what are the big differences with like the Max Ten? What's the um, the, the ten is a big. I mean, the, the Max Ten, I think, Brian is like the equivalent of a seven five seven. Yeah, just about. Yeah, it's, just about. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's 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 almost there, single aisle. The nice part about it, again, the proportions are are there. I think it's an attractive looking aircraft, just mm-hmm. from an aesthetic standpoint. Seven five seven. I don't like that. Glass. <laughs> we'll, we'll glass over <laughs> that. Yeah, though, yeah. Absolutely. So Especially the, the seven three seven, the seven five seven three hundred. No, I'm really not keen on you that. Are your yeah. Dis- <laughs> yeah, you are just look. Dis- come on, you should all be very excited. I finally have an aeroplane I despise. Uh, I can talk passionately about I've, an aircraft I don't. I like. love the seven five. <laughs> but anyway, do you? Yes, I do. What? So the next story is on. Try going to America <laughs> on one. <laughs> oh, I'm really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn that phone. Anyway, the name moving yeah, on. Yeah, it's the, the RJ of the of transatlantic. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Yeah. yeah, I love that expression. <laughs> it's the RJ of the transatlantic. I like that. Oh dear. Anyway, so uh, yeah. the next story is yeah. on the, the economists dot com website, and uh, another lovely story here. I'm sure Brian will like this. So the headline: American Airlines reverses a pledge to squeeze legroom further. Oh. So some yeah. uh, some rare good news for anyone planning to fly economy class on American Airlines. The carrier has scrapped plans to shrink the distance between rows on its new planes it's purchasing. The Texas-based airline had said it would reduce the seat pitch on its new Boeing 737 MAX planes to a knee-aching 29 inches in certain what, rows. So exactly the same as what Ryanair yeah. and EasyJet are doing there. Right, okay, good. Down from <laughs> okay. its typical 30 inches or 31 uh-huh. inches on you know, its current 737-800 fleet. Now it says it will install those rows 30 inches apart. An mm. inch may not sound like much, but its significance uh, is broader. 
Hold on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do with that information. Anyway, yeah, Al's not here. That's what she said. Comment yeah, 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 Al's yeah. not here. No, uh, indeed. Yeah, moving on quick. Yes. <laughs> the airline made the change in response to the public outcry. Americans said it had received copious amounts of feedback from customers and employees, and that it uh, is clear today that the airline customers feel increasingly frustrated by their experiences and less valued when they fly. People complained, and American listened. In in fact, the pressure came it. from more right. than Whatever. just ordinary Joes. A member, <laughs> a member of Congress bemoaning the ever-shrinking seat pitch introduced legislation earlier this year mandating a minimum distance between rows. It failed as an amendment but, uh, to a larger bill, but it could be reintroduced as a standalone legislation. And at a congressional hearing last month, lawmakers berated airline executives for worsening conditions on board their aircraft. But of course, Congress is taking its uh, cues from angry constituents and the legislation followed a petition with tens of thousands of signatures demanding a minimum seat pitch. And the story goes on kind of about seat pitches and stuff. We don't really want to. We know, we, you know it's tight in the economy. We can't all afford to fly business class, you know. Can we, Mr. Smith? <laughs> no, of course what? not. Yeah, indeed. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yes. And, uh, and and Matt, just keep in mind on your, your beloved 757, your seat pitch was either 33 or 34 inches. Oh, yeah. As opposed to the crushing 29. Absolutely. No, it was just the fact that it tried to kill me by me not being able to breathe <laughs> through large sections. I was, I was honestly, oh, I, I keep going on about this and I'm so sorry, but it was, I literally, like, after about five, five and a half hours, like, both ways, after about five and a half hours, I, 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 I was, I was like, I felt I'd never felt so ill in my life. Anyway, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to get that mobile phone noise again in a minute. No, not I? at all. No, not at all. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, as, as I say, the funny thing is, is when I came out of because um, uh, because I arrived in in London at Heathrow before Carlos, about an hour before you, I think, didn't I? And it was literally. Uh, I mean, it was. I mean, I, I looked like death warmed up, and Carlos looked like he'd just flown from Glasgow. I mean, he was just like. So chilled out. And what were you? And you were on the uh, Dreamliner, weren't you? On the way home, yeah, yeah. The Dash Nine, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, uh, well, I, I, me, me, and Adrian on yeah, the Triple yeah. Seven with Air Canada flying out to Pittsburgh. You know, we we had to make do with thirty eight inches mm. of uh, of legroom, which was terrible in yeah. uh, in premium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so they're having an interesting <laughs> chat in the old uh, in the old chat room here. Oh, how is the chat room? Yeah, no, the chat room's fine. Yeah, it's all right. Everybody's keeping an eye on it. It's fine. Oh, good. Uh, but uh, no, uh, he, uh, very sh- true, Tony. Yes, yeah, so Seven five seven is good, very good for sure. It is absolutely. Mm. I completely agree. Um, yeah. And as I say, Shorty Cosgrove was saying, I, I flew into Florida. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know. And was, Cheryl Mandrake's point that a very good point actually. Uh, right. That the advantage of being four foot eleven is that legroom right. is not <laughs> yeah, a yeah, problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. <laughs> yes. Well played. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so the next yeah. story, Matt, is yeah, it uh, is, is for you. Is it right? Okay. I'll try and be a bit more organised. Then sorry. I see. I made the mistake of going to the chat room and getting distracted okay. didn't I? yes absolutely so this oh boy this is on the daily star website oh, that's a classy that. classy it's not rag classy rank. this is just it's sort of basically a soft porn newspaper so quite <laughs> i was gonna wide. say the ads are very interesting yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. that's very appropriate Carlos. yeah this is it we should uh, we should get our smoking jacket and and pipe and slippers on for this anyway uh, on the daily star which uh, i thought this i don't even know how this good. could be true if it's in the daily star but there we are uh, this airline will give you a surprise trip for just 60 pounds return but there is a catch 
if you're a spontaneous sort, we might have found the perfect holiday for you. German airline Lufthansa is uh, offering surprise trips. <laughs> right. Uh, I've been on some surprise trips on United, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's absolutely. a different story yeah, altogether. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> it's surprise trips starting at just 69 euros. That's 60 pounds. That's really scary with our exchange rate. The sterling versus... You. Oh, anyway. Uh, see, politics again, children. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> this means you book a flight uh, but the airline will decide on your destination mm-hmm yeah, so this is how you end up in Glasgow, isn't it? And you were hoping for some sun. Uh, however, uh, you do get a bit of a say in... Oh, uh, you will get a bit of a say in where you go. Uh, you can choose from nine different trip types mm. based on your wants and needs while you're on holiday. Travellers can choose from categories that include romance. That's... Yeah, well, yeah, romance. Well, that's going to be Glasgow, obviously. Can't beat a Glasgow kiss. Uh, <laughs> shopping, cities, partying, bromance. Hello. <laughs> sun and sand nature go east and sightseeing and culture so those are the various categories available to you all destinations are within europe and include places like rome and florence alongside less visited places like turin in italy or the polish port of gdansk uh, once you have decided your category the airline will ask you to put in your selected dates and preferences along with <coughs> who will be traveling However, these surprise trips are only available from the Frankfurt and Munich bases in Germany, so you have to make your way there first. There are no refunds once you've made your purchase, and the airline added that the more flexible the traveller is, the more savings they can expect to make. This is not a new concept. Companies have been organising mystery breaks for years. One such company, a US-based Jubel, will plan a personalised trip for you covering a bunch of different destinations that you only find out due to a letter they leave you uh, with some instructions. Again, this company offer options to choose from before you book your break, so you have a slight idea of what you're signing up for, but the destination remains a mystery. So this just sounds like like you know the fancy version of the coach magical mystery tour um that I, some companies in this area still do mm. uh, i can't think of anything worse personally <laughs> I, it's just funny though if you you know you, you kind of book one of these tickets and you think oh where you know i'll just leave it up to them to choose where i want to go pack your like you say pack your bag get your sun uh, suntan lotion in get your bikini and whatever you're in or your mankini mm. And uh, end up in Antarctica. Right, yes. Yeah, there, there is that risk, isn't it? Yes, you may not be dressed for the occasion. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, does, does, does a magical mystery tour appeal to you, Brian? I mean, I suppose you could argue that any flight with United is a similar, uh, uh, has a possible similar outcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I've been on several before. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I end up sleeping in the city that I wasn't planning Nothing. on. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think if, it, if I had the time, it Sure, I, I absolutely would do something like that. I think that it's a great idea. And oh. time, obviously, is something you almost never have. So uh, yeah. This year has been a challenge, yes. <laughs> yeah, I could So, I could uh, Yeah, and my most recent flight, for those who, who were keeping track on uh, Airplane Geeks, uh, my return flight last night put me over the 100,000 miles for this wow. year. So, wow. This year? And it's June, yes. That, that deserves. <laughs> it's June, it's just got halfway through. <laughs> No, there should be some boobs, not yeah, yeah, boobs. Yeah, congratulations. Boobs. <laughs> there we go. Okay, right, we're close. Yeah, so we need some booze. Exactly. I need booze. Yeah, we need, I've got booze. No, oh, 
Oh, booze? I do. I genuinely feel oh, a migraine. Booze too. Oh, oh, oh okay. yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Brian's. Yeah, he's. There we go. Yes. Well done. So, mm-hmm. next story. Moving on. This yes. has got this has got a rather interesting video, which goes with the story, which uh, Matt okay. might be able to put on while I'm reading. Really? But um, okay. the next story is uh, quite a shocking one, actually. This one was. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did say we hadn't got any United stories, but we have. Um, right. okay. This uh, this one was uh, this one actually broke today on the uh, ninenews.com.au site. This one, and uh, the headline: massive fuel leak forces United Airlines to cancel flight. Now, if Matt does get a chance to put the video up for this, which video um, is it? It's it's on it's on the the, the site. It's, on it's, the, it's the one the that video. says fuel gushes from yeah. plane while waiting on tarmac. That's, it looks like they turned a fire hose on. I haven't got that in this. That hasn't come it's up. It's definitely on that website. Trust me. Come round here and have a look. It's not there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you need me to send you the link again? Okay. No, hang on. I'll re- I, I think I know what's happening. Anyway, you carry on. I'll, I'll, I'll work it out. So anyway, yeah. so the uh, story then. Massive fuel leak forces United Airlines to cancel flight, and it is a monumental fuel leak. So United Airlines' uh, reputation has suffered another blow after a flight was cancelled after fuel gushed from a plane's wing as passengers waited to take off. Now, you can see on the video there, which Matt has just played. If you refresh that, that'll play again. Yep. Uh, newlywed Rachel Brum- uh, Brumfield and her husband Mike were ready to depart for their honeymoon to Venice on Tuesday evening from Newark Liberty International Airport when they spotted fuel pouring out of the plane's F- uh, left-hand side wing. Uh, she said, I'm sitting looking out of the window at the wings and all of a sudden fuel started shooting out of the wing really, really hard, Brumfield told the New York Post. The newlywed couples alerted staff who inspected the leak and reported to, to the pilots who shut off the engine. Wow. The flight was cancelled. Passengers were offered hotel vouchers as they disembarked. The incident, which took place Tuesday evening, forced United Flight 170 to return to the gate and its passengers to disembark. Passengers on the flight were provided hotel rooms for the night and rebooked on later flights, United said in a statement. United did not reveal the cause of the fuel leak. Uh, the airline has come under public scrutiny this year after a series, or a series of uh, embarrassing issues. And we all know there's embarrassing issues. And um, <laughs> really, in a leak like that, we, it's certainly we, we don't need to go into that issue. again. But uh, <laughs> on watching, I mean, I watched that video a few times, and although the the angle's not wonderful, which the people have taken that uh, picture from, it it I mean, looks it's to me gushing. Well, it looks to me <laughs> like uh, you know a lot of the uh, the a lot of aircrafts, nearly a lot of few aircraft have the fuel dumps uh, capability on on the aircraft. Uh, Brian, they have the um, the dump sort of. Um, nozzle mm-hmm. on the tips of the wings, and that—I mean—it looks yeah, that to goes me out the back, not the front. Yeah, Hillel just said that it's an open valve, not a leak. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah. that's still not what I'd want to see. Whilst uh, no, no, it's <laughs> no, not while being on the plane. No, no, indeed. While you're sat there, just thinking, no. um, does anybody know this is happening? You know, uh, yeah. it, I mean, it would be even worse if there were, you, you know, saw some baggage uh, baggage handler walking along with a, you know, a, a Cuban cigar with a, with on a the Cuban, go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 Did, did you like well, that one, Brian? I thought you'd well, appreciate the, that. Brian. And kind of the question I have over this is: the article says that it was the passengers that told mm-hmm. told the flight crew that 
notified the folks in the flight deck. Don't you think that the f- people in the flight deck would would what? see their gauge rapidly <laughs> going to empty an and rate. think yeah. that there's a problem there? Yeah, yeah. panic alarm bells. Yes, <laughs> you'd like to think yeah. that the cockpit were already aware, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's just like, have you switched the fuel feed on? No, not me. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, losing a lot yeah. of fuel. Absolutely. Yeah, a bit worrying that. Yeah, mm. I must say. I mean, if it's coming out at that kind of rate, I mean, surely when they try to fire up the engines, they might have noticed because they're not. It, it's like we're not getting any fuel. What's going on? Perhaps uh, I, I wonder, uh, Brian, whether United are go- they're branching into air to air refueling. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, it's always an option. But they just but, forgot to put an aircraft behind yeah, there yeah. to, to, yeah, to close, catch yeah, it. underneath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of not a lot of point if it's on the runway. I mean, you could just bring a truck. It's one of the most useless things to a pilot, right? Is is fuel left at the airport? Yeah, yeah exactly. Much, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's useful. You know, it saves you burning it off when you come into land. Maybe uh, there is always that. <laughs> so the next story, moving on, um, is a is a interesting one. This is a bit of a kind of a, a netty IT type. Is it? Ah, yeah. right. Yes, of course. Mm. Yes. So this is on the Vima website. Uh, I'm not really sure what what that website is, but anyway, uh, it says free li- free airline ticket scam continues to target Facebook users. Um, Facebook users are falling victim to scams claiming to give away free plane tickets uh, in honor of airline anniversaries. In exchange for free flights, users are asked to like, visit and share a website pretending to give away prizes. The fraudulent posts contain links to legitimate looking sites like uh, deltagiveaway.com, emiratesnow.us, Aeroflot-com.us and others. Would you really want a free flight on Aeroflot? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, now. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And others tricking tens of thousands of people into handing over personal information, downloading malicious browser extensions or apps, and subscribing to unwanted paid services with subscription charges. Downloading unknown browser extensions can be especially dangerous. Uh, Many can steal data like passwords, credit card numbers, and user login information each site contains a brief survey with three questions do you use do you use a specific airline what do you like best about the airline and are you satisfied with the quality of service brian if you could answer all of those three questions that would be great uh <laughs> once the inquiries wait hold on someone's trying to get a hold of me okay okay uh, that's not supposed to be happening Anyway, uh, once the inquiries are completed, users are told they're a click away from earning the free tickets. They just have to share the website's link to their Facebook page and hit the like button. Uh, how can you avoid becoming a victim? Moscow-based cybersecurity from Kukpapsky Lab warns potential victims could pay close attention to the URLs of data requesting sites to ensure they're authentic. Users should also be extremely careful when sharing posts on Facebook, which can prevent others from falling victim to the same scheme. Safeguarding a device with antivirus software will prevent the installation of malicious browser extensions and warn users if they're about to visit a phishing site. Now, I have to be honest, we do get a lot of these. Uh, the big one round here, or certainly here in the UK, is Morrison's vouchers. Oh, you God, quite yeah. often see yeah. a similar sort of scam doing the round. I mean, the, I mean, guys, I mean, the, the long and the short of it is you don't get anything for free. Exactly. Um, yeah. And just come on, guys, you know, stop falling. Yeah, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably it is. It probably is, absolutely. Yeah. And if you have genuinely won a competition, uh, I mean, it's like if you entered the competition, then that's different. 
But if you haven't entered a competition and they contact you and, and all I that. Wonder what, I wonder whether Brian gets those emails. Free flights on United. Right. Just <laughs> click here. Okay. Yes. No, I think, yeah. no, I only get those after something that's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, going back to my earlier question, Brian, it was each site contains a brief survey of three questions. So I'd like you, please, to answer those three questions. Uh, do you ah. use a specific airline? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, what Most do you like, of the time. What do you like best about the airline? <laughs> Actually, their frequent flyer program. I think they have really one of the best frequent flyer programs in the world. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree okay. with you on that one. And, and are you satisfied with the quality of service? It's gone. Hmm. I think the line. I think the line's gone dead. What? Hello, <laughs> Brian. Yeah, no, I, I still there. Again, most of the most of the time, I think that they do a good job. Mm. Uh, it, it was interesting. The flight that I had uh, last night, it was delayed apparently due to weather over the Midwest. Mm. Uh, the flight crew certainly did their did their best to to help us along and make us comfortable. However, I was flying with a flight attendant that I think also flew during World War II. So uh, right, <laughs> she was very near retirement age. Okay. And I did get your email, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I I really thought that if anything were to happen with the plane, I would have to help her off. Uh, it was <laughs> yeah, she needed a hip replacement. It was right. it was just tragic. <laughs> Okay, good. Okay. Uh, so moving on <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the absolutely. next story. Before we are and, yes. I, and, and, and I'm sorry, oh, guys. Sorry. Speaking of Carry moving on, on um, I do indeed have I have an appointment with the uh, motor vehicles, and, and I do need to run to that. Uh, however, since you guys seem to have your shows almost as long as uh, um, uh, Airline Pilot Guy, chances are I could be back from the DMV <laughs> and join you again. Okay, okay so. that's All fine. Right, okay. Yeah, that's yeah, fine, yeah. Brian. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. Maybe slightly offended. But anyway, yeah. No, yeah, give, no, give us a call when you yeah, when you come absolutely. back, Brian. And, All right. And, and I just realized that I have had an IPA and now I'm off to the DMV. So I wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> uh, good good luck with that. Uh, oh. Okay. Just well, tell them well, tell well, it was a PTUK IPA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will come back with uh, Hopefully, very yeah. exciting yeah. news uh, and, and how he got on at the DMV, hopefully a bit later. So we'll say goodbye to you Take for care, now, Brian. Brian. Take care, We'll chat to you a Bye. bit later on. <laughs> Take care, so mate. Bye, yeah, Brian. No problem. No problem. Okay, so on to the next story then, as uh, yeah. Carlos was this saying. One this one is uh, on the National Business oh, yeah. site, this one. And uh, the headline, Emirates Airlines sets sights on augmented reality glasses. Hmm. Wow. So Emirates uh, are hoping to shake off budget airlines coveting it there, its uh, long-distance customers, and they've set their sights on goggles. Google, goggles, goggles. <laughs> goggles. The carrier is studying ways to equip staff with augmented reality glasses uh, that display a passenger name and, a sp and travel habits, allowing more personalized service, says Christopher Mueller, Emirates Chief Digital and Innovations Officer. Travelers may also be given eyewear to help them navigate to airports and browse food menus. We can enhance customer services tremendously, says Mr. Mueller, who was appointed last year to help modernize the world's biggest long-haul airline. The consumer will want to interact in a completely different way, he said. Tim Clark, the airline's president, has said that the company faces a gathering storm from budget rivals such as Norwegian Air Shuttle, which are expanding their North Atlantic routes and threatening to erode the Gulf carrier's market leadership. Emirates, which helped unseat Western mainline carriers a year ago with bigger planes boasting swanky bars and onboard showers, is now betting an investment in new technology can help it stay ahead. 
Augmented reality available on gadgets such as Microsoft's HoloLens headsets and Apple's iPhones is gaining traction and companies seeking to improve customer services and workwear productively. Fashion brands Gap lets shoppers virtually try on clothes by dressing an avatar. What? Car manufacturers, including Jeep and BMW, also offer 3D versions of the, uh, their vehicles on mobile devices. Um, also, repairmen wear goggles to access technical data hands-free when fixing building elevators. Mr. Mueller is gearing Emirates technology for a new era as the airline grapples with some of the toughest operating conditions in its 30-year history. In addition to competition from cheap arrivals, the carrier has recently been hit by weaker oil prices, which have hurt demand from uh, the Gulf's wealthiest travellers by tourists' growing security concerns as well. The airline in March announced its first annual profit decline in five years and halted dividend payments to its government shareholder for the first time in, a, in a, uh, at least a decade. To better compete against discount airlines, Emirates has started charging customers for picking their own seats and added fees for checked baggage. The new policies represent a fundamental shift at the lavish carrier known for flying the largest fleet of Airbus A330, uh, A380 double-deckers. Not A330, they have got through A330s to be fair. Um, so uh, Obviously, this is. I mean, I've seen these. These I haven't actually tried them, but mm. I've seen them uh, on YouTube videos. These glasses, and they kind of, you know, they're a bit like head-up displays for your your eyes. Mm. And I suppose if you're you're a flight attendant, and you know, you're, you've got an aircraft such as an A three eighty, and you've got I don't know, you know, four hundred and something odd people, yeah. and fifty of those people have a, a vegetarian option meal. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose rather than holding a piece of paper and trying to find which seat they're in, mm. your glasses will obviously tell you indicate where indicate they are and yeah. their name so. and everything. So you can. You can I mean, presumably it's marrying the menu up with the seat because I mean you mm. can't expect them to wear sort of. Um, it sounds like these Google Glass things, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it sounds like a sort of like an updated version of that. Maybe I mean, well, I mean, if it well, works it, and it, if, hel if it helps the attendance, it, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it helps the attendance at the mm. end of the day. That anything that makes their lives a bit easier has got to be a be a good thing surely yeah it's yeah, uh, it's good the vr the headset thing is is, is yeah. still uh, do you know what? i've news. never tried it it's I've really never good tried yeah it. the 3d headsets are really really good yeah, yeah. really really good mm. anyway on to the next story this is uh back to the bloomberg website uh, again for this story Bit and a the headline, techie one good 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 this is what we like american airlines test ct scanning to keep laptops in carry-ons oh now this Ooh. is good news uh, American Airlines Group Inc. on Thursday began the first U.S. test of a new airport security scanner that provide a more detailed view inside carry-on luggage and may allow travelers to keep laptops in their bags. Now, that's great news. The CT scanner, using technology borrowed from the medical world, is being used in a security checkpoint lane at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport, the airline said in a statement. The testing at Terminal 4 is being constructed with the Transportation Security Administration. The experiment comes as the U.S. Department of Homeland Security considers whether to expand a ban on electronic devices in airliner cabins that began on some international routes in March. CT scanners are better than existing X-ray devices at detecting explosives, meaning that at some point they could enable passengers to leave laptops, other electronics and possibly even liquids in their bags, vastly simplifying airport security that does sound like great news doesn't it? it we already use this type of te technology for checked bags uh, and we expect these smaller checkpoint size machines uh, that will be pro uh, will provide the same 
Um, high level of security, TSA Acting Administrator Huben Gowada said in a statement, a widespread rollout could take some time. Following previous failed introductions of new equipment, the Transport Security Administration requires many layers of tests. Also, Congress hasn't appropriated the funds for large purchases of new machines, which cost several hundred thousand dollars apiece and would require a $1 billion or more uh, price tag to install at thousands of security lines in the US. The machines use computed uh, tomography uh, scanning to create a high-definition three-dimensional view inside a bag. The image can be rotated for a thorough study and bags can be examined layer by layer. The scanner tested by American was manufactured by L3 Technologies Inc. The March ban covering flights from 10 Middle East and North Africa airports to the US followed concern that terrorists had devised ways to hide explosives in laptops or other electronic devices larger than a mobile phone. Since then, the Department of Homeland Security has considered expanding the ban to Europe. The TSA has sanctioned a second test at Boston Logan International Airport using a CT scanner made by Integrated Defense and Security Solutions uh, in jo Joseph Parrett. Paresi. Uh, the company's chief executive officer said by email that uh, the machine is installed earlier this month. Uh, sorry, the machine, this machine was installed earlier this month and TSA screeners are being trained to use it. Uh, Paresi said the device already is undergoing tests in Amsterdam. If the tests are successful, American and the TSA may deploy the CT scanners to other checkpoint locations, the Fort Worth, Texas-based airline said. CT scan, I mean, they use those to scan the brain, don't they, in hospitals, yeah, CT scanners. Yeah. I mean, that's in incredibly, yeah. well, expensive, um, yes, but a, a very yeah. um, detailed uh, scanning device. But if from, it, I mean, again, it's surely any layer of, of speeding up um, airport security with a more detailed and accurate um, scanner, scanner mm. surely that's yeah. got to be a good thing, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, uh, and the more that these equi this equipment is being purchased and installed, the cheaper they will become. So you know you've got to. Uh, be interesting, it, interesting to find out, you know how yeah. you know how they you, get on with the tests of these. You, you, you could argue that it, can you really put a price on security? exactly? I yeah. mean that 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 is the obvious question. It should it? make things safer. Technically, Very much so. yeah. <laughs> In theory. So moving on to the next story. This one's on the independent.com. Uh, dot .mt website mm. and uh, the MT standing for Malta and oh, uh, there's a surprise I know. Oh, so uh, everyone sigh I know <laughs> it's my second home the gorgeous island of Malta so the headline winning design of traditional Maltese balconies set to dress two new Air Malta aircraft so for those of you who didn't know Air Malta uh, have a fleet of Airbus A320 and A319 Airbuses that they use in their fleet. Uh, the new livery design was chosen for the new Air Malta aircraft added to the fleet named Romeo and Juliet. Oh, that's nice names for aircraft. <laughs> oh, no. The uh, competition <laughs> they had to design the logos for the aircraft uh, for designers to send ideas uh, to Air Malta and the winning design, which uh, is uh, can, Matt can possibly put on the screen if he's uh, feeling up to it. Oh, sorry. So the I've got, I went back to the chat room. I'm very sorry. They're having a very interesting conversation in there. The winning design uh, was chosen or won by a U.S. national, Mitchell Dill, who designed the plane in a pattern of a colourful traditional Maltese balcony. 
which are going to dress uh, the windows of the aircraft in blue, yellow, red and green of the uh, Air Malta colours. In the next few weeks, engineers will be working closely with Mitchell to simplify the design and install the Maltese balconies on the aircraft in the form of decals, a design prepared on special paper to be transferred onto the aircraft. And the second prize winner, uh, the People's Choice Award, was designed by Malta designer Sean Passalia, which features the traditional Luzu. Uh, the winners uh, each won two business class tickets for two individuals. A total of 69 designs from various voluntary, uh, volunteer, volunteers were uh, submitted to the Air Malta for the design. And uh, oh, it's quite nice. It'd uh, be interesting to see what the aircraft looks like with the design. Because we all know how a lot of the airlines, uh, that's the second place winner, that one. That's oh, is a, it? Right. Yeah, that's the design they have on their uh, traditional Maltese uh, boats, fishing oh, okay. boats. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but interesting is because what we all know, I mean, some of the airlines have fantastic designs mm. on their aircraft. I mean, Alaska Airlines have, oh, yeah. have the salmon on the side of their aircraft, yeah, and obviously we've seen the uh, the airline with the 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 whale. I forget which one it was now, with the big whale on the side uh, of their three eighty. I forget which airline it was now. We've covered that a few weeks back. Um, so yeah, it's I, I think it's good when airlines have you know different designs on some mm. of their aircraft. Yeah, if I don't know. Uh, Nev will actually know. Nev will know. BA toy. Uh, they they had uh, different designs. Tail art on their uh, aircraft um, a few year or a few years back now. Mm, so uh, years back. Customized yeah, tails yeah, and yeah. stuff, which didn't go down too well at the time, if I remember rightly. Oh, but right. uh, but yeah, there we go. The first place design there on the screen. It. Uh, mm. I think yeah. I prefer the second one, if I'm honest, from a personal point of view. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's a bit. Of a, that's an artist drawing that one. So yeah, okay. So. Yeah, it'll hopefully look better. When yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's not. It's leaving me a bit cold. If I'm honest. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So the next story, it's uh, a big bum story, especially for you, uh, Matt. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, this is the LondonEconomic.com, uh, and we're back to the world of tech. Uh, so the world's longest aircraft takes to the skies. So the world's longest aircraft, dubbed the Flying Bum, <laughs> <laughs> took to the skies yesterday for a surprise <laughs> test flight. Hundreds of people gathered to watch the 20-ton Airlander 10 perform aerial manoeuvres in a four-hour flight. The 92-metre-long part airship, part aeroplane was badly damaged when it nosedived during a test flight on the 24th of August last year. Following extensive repairs, it reached the highest altitude so far in its fourth test flight after taking off from hangars in Cardigan, Bedfordshire at 5 past 6 on Tuesday, 5 past 6 in the evening on the Tuesday just gone. A spokesman for its manufacturer's hybrid air vehicles said that the flight had not been announced to avoid a mass of spectators gathering in the village. What, in case mm. it all went horribly wrong again? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the company hoped the Airlander, which can carry 10 tonnes and up to 60 passengers, will be used for luxury commercial flights over the world's greatest sites from 2019. Passers-by spotted the 38,000 cubic metre prototype preparing for takeoff in Cardigan Airfield. Um, the uh, the hundreds of people gathered around the airfield after a local group of blimp spotters also used the weather conditions to predict the test flight. Roger Skilling, 38, of St. Neots, Cambridgeshire, took the, these incredible pit photos of the flight after he heard its engine was on. The amateur photographer had wanted to get some behind-the-scenes shot of the film sets at the hangar for a new Justice League superhero movie and a Dumpo movie, as you do. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's some great photos. So obviously, it's it's it's, it's the airland is a, an interesting. Yeah, it's been. It's, I think it's fair to say that it's been having a few problems, and it did. Yeah, obviously, its very first test flight didn't exactly. You've got go the pictures there actually, mate, to, um, um, on that story. But the airlander, you remember we covered a story. I think it was was, it, it was last year, wasn't mm. it? Last year, when the airlander had uh, a test flight and it kind of um, nose dived into uh, the the ground on its mm. um, return. Yeah. And um, I am in agreement with the story. It does look like a rather large. Um, behind it I does think. indeed it certainly does yes. yeah uh, it, i mean it's a charming picture what can i say it is a charming <laughs> picture yeah Absolutely. yeah i think they could they could really have uh, done with putting some um artwork on that yeah i mean you could have dressed it yeah i, I, I mean they probably will when it actually i think you know, we should we should put it to airlander that they should have a competition to design <laughs> artwork for the airlander, right? Yeah. Okay. Maybe we I'd like it. to see what yeah. people come up with. Yeah. I mean, I, I think again, though, because obviously we are very much in prototype stages, aren't we? So I suppose when it actually, when it becomes, you know, the vehicle that people are using for luxury flights, you mean it look less bummish. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. And they'll probably put some kind of fancy livery or something mm. on it, and they'll dress it up and make it look nice and all that. So. I, I think this is just, you know, we're still in test, testing stage, aren't we, really? Yeah. So, you know, it's a, bit, it's, a, it's a bit like, as Captain Al calls it, yay, military grey. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, you know, not very exciting right now. So the next story is on the uh, stuff. We love this stuff. Right. .co.nz okay. well website. <laughs> and uh, this this is quite another, another techie one, really. Yeah. So Boeing launches virtual mm, tours of the Renton factory where the 737 is made. For decades, aviation fans have flocked to the Boeing's massive commercial planes factory in the U.S. to get a glimpse into how these massive machines are constructed. At the end of 2016, the Boeing uh, public tour at the plant Everett, Washington, had welcomed 5 million visitors since starting tours in 1968. But not many people have had a chance to look inside the Renton factory where 12,000 workers create every 737 in the world. Boeing 737 aircraft, uh, which uh, obviously everyone's flown on at some point in time, uh, they'll get a chance to see these being made in the factory at Renton, Washington. Now, thanks to new technology, Boeing is taking armchair aviation enthusiasts on a tour of the 102,000 square meter factory. The virtual tour is called The Incredible, the story of the Boeing Renton site, and includes 360 photos, video, and galleries that bring to life how the company builds the world's best-selling commercial jetliner. At each location along the tour, people can click on icons to learn more about the places they're looking at. As of April 2017, more than 14,000 Boeing 737s, which were largely used for shorter journeys, were sold throughout the world. However, in 2016, it was announced that the smallest aircraft made by Boeing was about to find a new role operating transatlantic routes that were previously the preserve of some of the world's biggest planes. The re-engined 737 MAX offers a 15% fuel saving meant to cut costs on the shorter intercity services. At the same time, revamp was added a 800 kilometers to its range as well, just enough to allow the narrow-bodied aircraft to span the 4,828 kilometers between the eastern U.S. and western Europe. And uh, there's loads of pictures on this uh, particular story of uh, the various processes involved in building the 737 and the 737 MAX. 
and it's definitely one of those places on my bucket list I would love to mm. go. Matt had yeah. the opportunity, obviously, earlier this year to go to uh, Toulouse, Toulouse to the, yeah, Airbus, the Airbus factory, factory. Yeah, and uh, I think you know it's on it's on everyone's bucket list, any Av Geeks bucket list yeah. to go to uh, to our, you know the Renton site. Uh, mm. over in the States yeah, or, so. uh, or to uh, Toulouse in France to, uh, to yeah. see obviously no, I, can, I would say from, speaking from personal experience I mean myself and Owen had a great time uh, to, to lo- the, the, in Toulouse at that, that thing. I mean it's basically a, a, it's a glorified bus tour but it's you do see so much it's really good I mean you sat on an air con- it was a glorious day when we went it was so hot and we sort of sat on a nice air conditioned bus busy sort of hossing our way around the the, 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 ta- the town you know where all things Airbus, mm. everyone from the manufacturers of the seats to the people that made the engines to the people that uh, that like painted it and all this kind of thing, all in one massive village just on the outskirts of, or massive town, sorry, on the outskirts of Toulouse. I mean, it, it really fascinating. It, it is strongly recommended for anyone who is interested in, in, in aviation. I can't Very much, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last story, uh, which is Matt's, is, uh, is an interesting story. Uh, for anyone who has ever thought of putting the words VIP alongside uh, low-cost air carrier, yes, it's sort of a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Really, it's a sort of a, it's a sort of like an odd combination, really. So they, they this is on the DailyMail.co.uk, so the Mail Online. So if it's in the Daily Mail, it must be true. So the headline is EasyJet unveils swanky private r- lounge you can relax in for four hundred and seventy-five pounds. How much? I know, but isn't isn't that the point of using a no-frills carrier to lower the cost of your holiday? EasyJet mm. has made a name for itself by making holidays abroad considerably cheaper, but now the no-frills airline is giving its customers the chance to make their holidays a lot more expensive by offering them the opportunity to relax in a private lounge that costs £475 to enter before they take off. Hmm... Uh, the budget airline has partnered with a luxury private jet terminal at London Luton Airport. Can you have this? Can you? Is, I mean, that that must be against some kind of like advertising rule, surely. The budget airline character has partnered with a luxury private jet terminal at London Luton. Can you really have luxury <laughs> and London Luton Airport oh, all in the same? No. So there, there must be a law against that, anyway. Uh, its additional passengers uh, will be able to accompany the main guest in the exclusive area for around about really? 120 pounds. So <laughs> yeah, so you've got to pay 475 pounds, and then it's 120 pounds for, for each in, in, you know additional guest. So okay. if you've got family or whatever, uh, <laughs> Andrew Middleton, who helps manages EasyJet's revenue stream, says that he thinks the lounge package will be popular with travellers celebrating a special occasion. So you paid 69 quid to fly to wherever it is that you want to go <laughs> and then you're going to shell out £475 plus £120 for each of your friends or family depending on where you go just to go and sit in a lounge for a couple of hours before you fly mm. uh, it could also be an attractive perk for those travelling on business especially if they've got the company credit hard card handy well indeed the private jet service run by Signature Elite Class lets passengers skip the commercial terminal for a private exclusive experience with no queues. Uh, there is also a dedicated security and customs screening facility that operates at a much quieter pace. After checking in, visitors to the lounge can indulge in a spread of complimentary refreshments from glasses of champagne to ladles of soup. Topping things off, a chauffeur will drive clients directly to their EasyJet aircraft. That's quite cool. EasyJet passengers can choose 
to use Signature's newly opened luxury terminal either when they depart or when they arrive. Cars can be driven right to the front door uh, where a member of staff will take care of any parking needs. Now, hmm, with respect, if you're going to spend £475 on access to a business lounge, you're probably not going to fly EasyJet. <laughs> Well, actually, I was looking online on uh, on Lut- Luton's um, one of the websites for for lounges at Luton, and they've got they've actually they've, there is another lounge, a kind of executive kind of lounge at Luton Airport, which you can go to, and it's twenty six quid each. Right? Yeah, that's a bit more like it. Uh, yeah. And for your twenty six quid, you get snacks, yeah. beer, wine, yeah. spirits, uh, actually, a spa we're, service we're, which you have to pay for, um, but you get Wi Fi, free Wi Fi, mm. flight monitors, t- uh, TVs, newspapers, magazines. But when we were going to go, when when myself and Owen were were doing the whole Toulouse thing, because uh, we were there quite early, we did genuinely consider going into one of because it was only twenty three pound a head. But you got fed for that twenty three pound a head, and you sort of thinking if we'd have, we'd have, if we'd have, we reckon if we'd have been there another half hour, we probably would have done it. Mm. Um, you know, just to sort of sit in a nice, comfortable lounge away from the riffraff. You know, but uh, but yeah. I mean, for your twenty six quid, you get like I said, you get you, you get snacks, drink. Yeah, and uh, you also get uh, fast track through um, security as well. Yeah, and that that's that's you know got to be worth its weight in in you know. But that's twenty six quid. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that yeah. one you're on. Oh, you get there fast is, track for that as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah, that, wow. that, so that's four hundred and seventy five yeah. pounds. Probably because uh, obviously we all know that uh, for SafeJet that Pip flies from Luton. Yeah. So perhaps this is a lounge yeah. that Pip flies. In fact, he's, at, he's uh, in the chat room. Moment. The he says, "I use the Luton lounge all the time. Uh, it, it's very mediocre as far as lounges go." So, uh, ooh. I'm surprised SafeJets haven't got a posh posh lounge for their, their pilots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or for their pilots. For their pilots. I was thinking yeah. more the clients. <laughs> oh, for the yeah, for, for the pilots. Yeah. You know. But uh, yeah, Pip there we go. flies in a in a posh lounge though. In his lovely, gorgeous, <laughs> well-appointed hawker. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, a flying lounge. Hillel's actually saying they'll make a business school product management and marketing case study out of this. Yeah, I think he, I think he's right. What a load oh, of nonsense! I know. I'm sorry. As I say, as I said a minute ago, for goodness' sake, if you're going to spend 475 quid on a chuffing lounge, <laughs> you're not going to be flying poxy easyjet, are you? No, you'll be flying BA. Well, like, quite right. Like probably Neville. in business class. Yes. Yeah. In, in which class. case, you'll probably use the BA lounge. Yeah. Because you yeah. haven't got to pay 475. Quid. And it's probably included in the yeah. price of your ticket. Well, yeah, probably, yeah, absolutely, because yeah. you're paying thousands of pounds yeah, anyway. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Mm. So there we go. That was the last yeah. story in the commercial segment for indeed. Tonight. Yes, actually. Uh, but talking of Pip, yeah, indeed, we have actually got a segment from Pip coming up, and we've we got have? some a few snippets of some interesting military newsment as well, mm. and we also have a very special segment from uh, Neville Bounds. We do. It's been sent in, and Neville's gonna he's gonna kind of. Maybe do us a little. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple, couple yeah. of bits to look forward to. to from, look forward but we'll tell you more Nev. about that in a minute. But yeah. as you have mentioned, the legend that is Pilot Pip. Because he's, he's in the chat room. He is in the chat room. It's time to welcome him to the helm and let's leave the legend that is Pilot Pip in charge as we welcome Plane Safety. Plane Safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi everybody, it's Pip here. Sorry for my absence from the last several episodes, but I'm back now with uh, just a short segment on what we might do if we found a bomb. A bomb? No, not a bomb. A bomb. 
airlines do from time to time receive bomb threats. In almost all of the cases, it turns out to be a hoax. Just people playing silly pranks, wasting time. Um, and to my knowledge, we at Safe Jets have never received an actual bomb threat, a hoax or otherwise. But I suppose it is conceivable. Although I, my feeling is, in my particular end of the aviation market, it's a very low-risk event. Uh, obviously, there's been some high-profile cases over recent years of explosive devices on uh, airlines around the world. So we need to have procedures as flight crew as to what we might do if we do receive a bomb threat. Now, it's quite unlikely that we as flight crew would receive any bomb threat directly. It would probably come through the office, uh, you know, dispatch or maybe through air traffic control. And honestly, my feeling is that these days, with the, the threats we face at the moment of the, the people, the groups of people we're dealing with, if uh, they really wanted to blow up an aeroplane and they had the means to do it, I think they would just do it and rather than issuing a bomb threat beforehand. I know that's the way things used to work back in the, the dark days of the IRA and that sort of thing, that they would issue a, a, a warning beforehand. But regardless, it is conceivable that we might receive a, a phone call somewhere in the office or air traffic control. So, what are you going to do if that happens? Well, we at SafeJets do have several pages in our ops manuals, uh, more than several pages in fact, about how to handle a bomb threat. Uh, now, if you're really switched on, if you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and received a phone call and someone on the other end in a raspy voice saying, we've got a bomb, well, if you were quick thinking, you'd go immediately and pull out the uh, bomb threat form, the initial form. We have a form. It's a couple of pages long. And on it, it has all sorts of information with which you, the receiver of the call, are meant to take down and make note as much information as you possibly can about the specifics of the bomb threat. In almost all cases, as I said before, it's a hoax. And the hoaxes generally tend to be, from my understanding at least, very lacking in any detail. So the more detail that a, a threat has, the more seriously, I suppose, that our security department are going to take it. So if someone just calls up and says in a giggly voice, we've put a bomb on your plane and hangs up, then it's probably not a real one. But if you can gain a lot of specific information out of this person, then perhaps it's a slightly more serious threat and certainly the more information you can get the more useful that's going to be to us flight crew so we have this bomb threat form and on it it has tick boxes and spaces to write down all sorts of stuff about uh, accents what sort of uh, voice the person has uh, specifically what flight um, what sort of bomb all sorts of information but honestly I think you'd have to be pretty damn quick to get that form out from the terabytes of data and forms and folders and, and all sorts of stuff that you have lying around the office for them to pull out that form straight away and start ticking it down. But regardless, if they receive that, then what they need to do is first of all straight away inform our security department or one of the senior managers that they've received a bomb threat. And they will then make an initial assessment as to whether that's a viable threat or not. What are they going to do then? Well, it depends on where the aircraft in question is. If it's sitting on the ground still, boarding passengers perhaps, then immediately they're going to call the commander of that aircraft and let him know what's going on. If the aircraft is already out taxiing or it's just departed, then they may not 
initially called the, the captain of that aircraft. If it's out taxiing, then they'll certainly straight away call air traffic control and they will attempt to communicate with the aircraft and get them to uh, stop, certainly prevent them from departing. You don't want to depart with a bomb threat. If it's just departed and it's still below 5,000 feet, then our security department or our company prefers to not inform us straight away, let the aircraft get away from the uh, yeah, from the initial departure phase into a slightly safer position to start worrying about uh, things like that. So they might just wait a few minutes and then they will call the aircraft commander directly. Now we on our aircraft, they all have uh, satellite phone capability so they could uh, call us directly there. Of course if we've got ACARs, they might do it that way. But of course they'll only call the aircraft if they've assessed that the threat is a viable and credible threat. So what are you going to do as a pilot, as a crew, if suddenly your phone or your ACARS goes and you got a message saying you got a bomb on board? Well, in many respects, you're kind of on your own a little bit. You would certainly think about immediately diverting somewhere to the nearest suitable airport to land, get the thing on the ground and get everyone off the aircraft, of course. But what if you're midway across the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic and you're still hours away from an airport? What are you going to do then? Well, you may well want to try and locate the device if there is one. So you're going to have to conduct a cabin search. Um, so probably you've got passengers on board. Possibly not, though. Particularly in our operation, we tend to do a lot of flights without any passengers. So you might want to conduct a search of the cabin. And you need to be pretty meticulous if you're going to do that. You need to start at one end of the aircraft and go all the way through, searching high and low, starting at the bottom of the aircraft and going upwards and then moving along the length being very careful um, where you're sticking fingers and, and, and what you're touching. And then if you do find a suspect package, well, then comes a big question, to touch it or not. Or oh, I should say, when you initially get the threat, it's probably a good idea to stop climbing if you're already in the climb. Probably just stop at whatever altitude you're at, just in case the sort of device that we're talking about has some sort of pressure uh, sensor or trigger on it. So if it hasn't gone off yet, then brilliant. Uh, stay where you are, don't climb any further. So if you find a suspect package, what are you going to do? Well, if the owner is there on the aircraft, then they'll be the one who you want to start uh, touching it and opening it. If at all possible, try and avoid um, playing around with it yourself. But you might not have any choice. If you're still several hours away from an airport, then you're going to have to do something whether to leave it, whether to open it and have a look, move it, mm, these are big questions and it, you really have to play it by ear I think. Now we've got a couple of bits of advice in our manual if we do find a suspect package and the first of those is to cover the package or the bomb or whatever it is as best you can. So cover it with something waterproof to help prevent uh, any subsequent fire if the thing does go off. So find some sort of polythene wrapping or polystyrene, uh, cover it in that, something waterproof, and then pack it with something that's going to absorb the blast. Pillows, blankets, that kind of thing. And then secondly, you may want to consider moving the device, the package, to something called the least risk bomb location. Now, I don't think I'm giving in away any state secrets here. This is all information freely available on the internet. Um, but every aircraft will have a location that's been assessed as being the least risk place to put a bomb and for it to go off to cause the least damage. 
So obviously if you have a bomb going off right in the, the middle of the aisle, over the uh, wings perhaps near the fuel tanks, over all the wiring to the avionics and to the flight controls, that's potentially going to cause a significant amount of damage and a lot of loss of life in a crowded cabin. So you might want to move it to somewhere that is going to cause less damage. Yeah, you're certainly not going to find anywhere on a pressurized aircraft where it's going to cause no damage, but certainly there are places you could put it where you might limit the damage. Now I'm not going to give away too much on that, um, but suffice to say common sense would, would dictate that it's away from fuel tanks, it's away from the most crowded areas of the aircraft, certainly move all the passengers away from it. And actually the best thing you could probably do is to put it near one of the windows away from the wings and then pack the package with wet blankets, with wet towels, cushions in order to create a shaped charge. So instead of the, an explosion going into the cabin and causing massive pressure waves and doing a lot of damage that way, if you can somehow direct the explosion out of the aircraft, out through a window, something you know soft and breakable like a window, then hopefully the majority of the explosion will go out of the aircraft and away from the passengers. But you'd have to be a pretty brave soul to start fiddling around with the bomb and moving it. I'm not sure if I'd be too happy to start picking up what I thought was a bomb, because who knows what sort of trigger it might have on it. A pressure sensor, some sort of movement sensor, maybe it's a time device. God knows. I mean, you know, I'm not a I'm not a bomb expert by any means, but I'd be more than a bit nervous about picking one up and moving it. But if needs must, then I suppose you've got to do that. If you really think this thing's going to go off, and you're several hours away or some time away from an airport you can get to quickly, then you might just have to move it to the least risk location. Now, what about disarming the bomb? As flight crew, all of our our bomb disposal and disarming training comes from watching Lethal Weapons 1, 2, 3 and 4 which in my book is time well spent so if you're gonna have a crack at disarming the bomb then we all know cut the blue wire or is it the red wire? I'm thinking we should cut the blue wire hey, wait! What? That's not what I'm thinking What? Do you think maybe the red? No! I'm sorry, I trust you I guess not, well, I'm cutting the red wire, okay? Help! Who? What? What? A minute ago you said blue. Did I say blue? Rex, you said blue. No, I meant red. Okay, folks, I think that's enough from me. I was going to go on and talk about hijackings and things like that, but maybe I'll save that for another segment. Until then, take care, everyone, and may all your travelling be explosion-free. Bye. And a massive thank you to Pilot Pip for sending that in for us today. Yeah. Very, very much appreciated. And we all, obviously, because Pip is somewhere in, in Europe somewhere at the moment. Um, I must say there's been some interesting uh, comments some in the chat room, it has to be said. Uh, one of the suggestions from Richard King was to flush it down the loo. We all know it all drops out of the bottom of the plane. Uh, uh, another <laughs> good suggestion we had for Pip as well. If he should have to uh, to you know sort cover the yeah. cover the explosive device, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony S in the chat room said to maybe put your wallet right on the <laughs> okay. uh, particular device, Pip. So That's yeah, a bit harsh, but no, seriously, <laughs> we're making light of a very. Serious I know, subject, I know, it is it, very serious. It, it is very serious, and um, 
yeah, is that I, I so is that situation that you hope you're never in, isn't it? You know, mm. what do you do as a pilot when, you know, if if you discover that you have got something like that, what do you do with it? As you say, you, it, do, does it help you moving it? What you what what's to do? The anyway, very interesting uh, topic. It really was. Yeah, mm. and don't you forget, Pip. you can uh, you can find Pip over at the Plane Safety Podcast. Yep. Over on iTunes, he's going to be releasing an episode, I think, this week, if I remember right. rightly, Fantastic. a brand new episode. Yep. Okay. Uh, so go over there and catch him on his show. Indeed. Okay. So, so we have got uh, a few bits of military news to bring you, and then we, we have got a special um, segment to bring you from Mr. Bounds. Indeed, yes. So it is time, though, to do the military. So if you are ready, sir. Oh, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So the first news story on the military news segment for this week is on the Royal Air Force site. Always Best gonna site to, in the world. The RAF, the good old <laughs> RAF. So the headline, RAF typhoons on NATO exercise in Hungary. So two Royal Air Force typhoons from the 135 Expeditionary Air Wing uh, joined several NATO allies at Papa Air Base. Allies. Allies. <laughs> allies. <laughs> nice. Yeah. A load of wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they joined these allies, anyway, at Papa Air Base in Hungary as part of an exercise load diffuser. Uh, deployed as part of a force of four aircraft to uh, Mihai Kogalnichau Air Base near Constanta yeah. in Romania. Apologies for pronouncing and <laughs> yeah, for yeah. any of our Romanian listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the two typhoons were a huge hit with the Hungarian public, apparently. So uh, during the two days, and uh, there are obviously lots of people watching the uh, aircraft and uh, mm. mobbing the uh, pilots, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the main purpose of the exercise was to test and increase the interoperability of the various NATO partner air forces. And uh, it's a change from the quick reaction alert duties that they've been carrying out in Romania since uh, May. The typhoons acted as red air on the 7th of June to test themselves and their allies. Uh, Paul added, playing as red air, pretending to be the enemy gave us the opportunity to fly against a range of aircraft that we would normally not encounter. Uh, it was also a superb opportunity to show off true, how truly capable uh, and world-leading the typhoon is. Held from the 22nd of May until the 9th of June, uh, this was the biggest air exercise in Hungary in for many years. Uh, alongside the typhoons were some 400 people from the air forces of Hungary, United States, Slovakia, uh, Slovenia, Croatia and the Czech Republic. Uh, and... Um, and well, the RAF uh, aircraft uh, deployed to Romania are part of the UK's contribution to reassurance measures to ensure the operational capability of NATO's eastern flank. Uh, the enhanced air policing mission demonstrates NATO's flexible capabilities and readiness underlying the commitment of allies to each other. Mm. Um, there's a few pictures on there, aren't it, with a map put yes, on did, there? Yes, I did. Yeah. You did. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, I've, I've been up close and 
uh, very personal with one of these RAF typhoons at uh, Riyadh a few years back, and they are incredibly noisy. Really? <laughs> when I you're bet. close up to them, they are, yeah. But uh, stunning aircraft to see close I'll up. Bet. Very, very nice indeed. I bet. So next story. Yeah, next story. This is on Flight Global, and the headline is Saab's Gripen E makes its flight debut. So Saab's first prototype Gripen E fighter has, compl- has completed its debut flight from the company's lip-hoinking, link-hopping site. Yeah, I know, link-hopping site in Sweden. Performed by test pilot Marius Wandt on the 15th of June. The milestone sortie with aircraft 39-8 lasted 40 minutes, says the manufacturer. The aircraft reached a planned maximum altitude of 13,000 feet and 300 knots. That's 555 kilometers per hour, it adds. During the flight, the aircraft carried out a number of actions to demonstrate various test criteria including the retracting and extending of the landing gear Saab says the flight was just as expected with the aircraft performance matching the experience in our simulation said want its acceleration is impressive with smooth handling Jonas Helm who is the head of Saab's aeronautics business area notes that the first flight of the prototype was conducted with the fully qualified software the company opted to place the fighter's new avionics system through its um, process, uh, through this process, delaying the first flight event from an original objective of late last year. This is about giving our customers a smart fighter system with the future designed in the in from the start, says Hilaire. Uh, the flight test activities will continue to build on this achievement with the program on track to achieve the 2019 delivery schedule for our Swedish and uh, Brazilian customers. The nations have so far ordered respective totals of 60 and 28 new Grippens with the Brazilian Air Force also to field the type in a two-seat F model configuration so i'm just going to pop the picture of that it's a really st- it's, 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 so we've got a couple of photos there it's uh, the uh, um, the gripen e uh, yeah. has a few specs on the Gripen E mm. uh, for all you military buffs. The Gripen E has an overall length of 15.2 metres, wingspan of 8.6 metres, and a maximum takeoff weight of 16,500 kilos. Right. Uh, the aircraft has a maximum speed of Mach 2 at high mm-hmm. altitude, while the speed at low altitude is 1,400 kilometres per hour. The one-seater aircraft features 10 pylon stations, which enable it to carry reconnaissance pods, weapons, and external fuel tanks. And its turnaround time is 10 minutes in an air-to-air configuration and 20 minutes while carrying weapons for air-to-ground wow. combat. So there we go. A bit of, bit of tech info mm, on the Gripen E. So last story is uh, on Flight Global and a uh, worrying one uh, for the Israeli uh, Air Force. This, uh, the headline, Tail Rotor Crack Discovery grounds Israel's Apache fleet. Oh dear. Uh, Israel's Air Force has temporarily grounded its Boeing AH-64 Apache attack helicopters after a crack was found in one of their tail rotors during a routine check. The decision was made by Air Force Commander Major General Amir Eshel. Pending an investigation, the cracked tail rotor has been sent to the service's central maintenance unit to undergo a series of tests. And uh, the Israel operates a mixed fleet of A variants and D variant models of the Apache, with flight fleets analyzers showing it has a combined uh, uh, 48 examples, the oldest of which are 31 years old. Now, we obviously have a lot of these aircraft or helicopters flying uh, around East Anglia on the east coast of the UK, where we are here, and uh, they are 
awesome to see flying. I, I do love the Apache. Yeah, there's one that, that comes out over over Ella Airfield. Where yeah, there is. Yeah, to yeah. Fly one time. yeah, yeah. They are very, very stunning aircraft mm. to uh, helicopters to see, yeah. see in flight, and uh, very uh, distinct noise they produce yeah. as well. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, last of the military news stories for yep. this week. We have uh, got a very special uh, segment uh, now, which has been very kindly put together by the legend that is Neville Bounds. Yep. And uh, hoping, hopefully we, Neville's going to maybe have uh, one of these for us to play out um, you know, for each week, which yep. uh, is quite good. So we hope you enjoy this little segment from Neville Bounds. Right, well, here we are in the beautiful island of Santorini, and uh, the weather today is absolutely perfect. It could not be better. And I'm pleased to say with, I'm with a load of my industry colleagues uh, this week, which has been a very nice experience indeed. And uh, one of the people uh, that's been uh, key to organising all this is a lady called Helen King, and I'm with Helen now, and she runs her own company. And tell me a bit about your, uh, your company, uh, Helen. Uh, we are an event and travel company, so it's Effective Event Solutions and Effective Travel Solutions. Um, we take groups, all different types of groups, from incentives to conference groups abroad and in the UK um, for different reasons. So it can be from anything from 12 people travelling to 140 people travelling at any one time. Um, so it's all the organisation from the start to picking the destination, picking the airlines, picking the transfers, and the hotel etc so it's the whole package is what we organize yeah well, we're talking about the passenger experience today and uh, obviously uh, it's become a bit variable over the years but of course in, in your business you're you're organizing um all sorts of travel uh, with all sorts of different numbers of people and uh, has that become easier uh, over the years or, or more difficult to do i think it's definitely become more challenging um i think a lot of the airlines who were before our go-to airlines are now um, lowering standards um, where we could always expect a certain, certain standard of service. I think now there is a difficulty where people were expected to pay for, them, to pay for their own things on flights, whereas before it would be easier. Um, I do think that the whole system is going more low cost um, and some of the airlines that we would have always chosen to fly with in the past um, are now not necessarily my go-to every day. I'm shopping around a bit more and making sure I get the best experience for the customer. So would you say that those, what we'll call the, the premium, you know, full-service airlines, they're not as good as the, the low-cost model as the low-cost operators are, I don't think, are they? I think the low-cost operators have got it sorted because they've always been doing it that way. They've always, um, they've got their systems in place. They always have done from the start, so you know exactly what to expect. And I think now, unfortunately, a lot of people are have expectations um, of certain airlines and they're not and they're not getting they're not fulfilling their duty to the service to the clients do you think this is going to be a, sort of a race to the bottom in, in, in terms of price and, and levels of service that are going to be offered on, on these services in, in future yeah I definitely do I think that um, it's definitely more of a low cost now I think your premium airlines have definitely lowered their standards so I think that it's just a case now of choosing wisely and knowing exactly and having your expectations before you fly um, so that everybody knows and you're not disappointed. I think um, the difference is it's changed dramatically over the last at least five years but before that as well and a lot of the destinations that we've chosen in the past have been because of the airlines that fly there. A lot of our um, incentives and our travellers and guests are 
British Airways Gold or Silver Club members and they always had that service so they've always wanted to take their customers on that service. That's why we've chosen certain routes and destinations in the past. The reason that you know, some, sometimes we haven't maybe gone to various Greek islands is because they're not serviced by British Airways. Um, and I think now that the standard has definitely dropped in the last at least year, well since British Airways have introduced their, you have to pay on, on short haul flights, that actually now that's opened up other airlines to us because the only reason really people choose to fly with British Airways is because of their reward systems and um, cheaper low-cost airlines don't have those reward systems in place which is the only thing I think at the moment that's saving British Airways and making us choose them. So previously really you're saying that you would only normally book the, the full service you know premium airline but actually now because of the way things are going you, you might review that and you might say well actually uh, on EasyJet we, we can go to, to different venues different resorts um, and you might say actually because the, the low, their low cost model is is pretty good um, and people know what they're going to get um, that's that's probably good enough isn't it and it's going to make it cheaper as well because obviously you, you pay you know what you're paying with british airways the, the only problem with the low cost airlines is we have to sometimes give names a lot earlier than we would do with british airways so that has always put us off in the past but even the low cost now EasyJet especially have introduced for groups of up to and over 30 you can actually give the names later and they don't charge you anymore so there seems to be there stepping up and others are stepping down um, in their service levels. Do you think that in companies like yours you know incentive travel companies do you think you have much influence with people like British Airways do you think they'll, they'll listen to your, your, your complaints and, and your views? I would like to think so but unfortunately I don't think that that is I don't think that they are actually interested because obviously they wouldn't have they wouldn't have chosen this step if they were they wouldn't have decided to do go the, down this route if they were actually really bothered about what their customers were saying and I, we, I will have some words with them when we get back after our recent trip um, and but I really don't think that that will make any any difference whatsoever I think that they've decided to do this and that now that what they are going to have to do is think about reducing their fares because uh, the service levels aren't you know, then you're not going to pay that sort of money to travel British Airways and receive the service that we're getting. I think people don't mind paying the premium fare if they're going to get the premium or the exclusive service, do they? I think that's the case, and I think as well in airports now, airports have raised their game so much, like Heathrow, you've got lots of different, um, different restaurants, lots of you know, high-end restaurants that are going in, so the airports have gone up a level. But unfortunately, I think the standards of the um, airline service has definitely gone down. So we're paying more for less. Marvellous. Fantastic. Well, Helen, uh, superb. Great to talk to you. Give me a company quick plug as well. Tell us all about your company and what you do and, and the website and, and that kind of thing. So we are Effective Event Solutions um, based in Oxford. We, um, so it's www.effectiveeventsolutions.com. Um, and we do everything from small incentives to large conferences abroad and in the UK as well as um, we do lots of brand activity and brand enterprises in, in London and awards dinners and things like that. Very nice indeed. Great industry to be involved with and uh, I'm sure, in fact, I know you do a great job. This is the second uh, trip we've been on with you, so it's been superb. Thanks. Thank you very much. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com
The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal. Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester Wizz Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 Direct to Britman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. Tandem two DME, turn right onto Bravo, link. Do one, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird, four, seven, two, LOC, slash DME, approach runway, two, seven, left. Follow the green stand, five, four, four. That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on. Aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. <laughs> And we're back. We are. Well, uh, absolutely brilliant, Niv. Thank you so very much for that cracking segment. I know. So interesting. And fingers crossed, um, I was speaking to Neville uh, not so long ago, and Nev said that he has got uh, a few more of those in the Great. bag. Can't wait. Uh, ready yep. to send us. So, uh, yeah, looking forward treat. to that very much, Nev. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are, just, just so that you know, uh, the website that they were talking about uh, earlier on, so that's the lady who, who very kindly spoke to Nev, it was EffectiveEventSolutions.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they, that's uh, well, it's useful. I, did, I didn't know the sort of things... Like that sort of existed really. I suppose it's sort of putting all together the entire package to get people from from one place to another. But uh, yeah, no, thank you very much. A, a cracking interview, as uh, as well as always. To be fair, whenever it involves the legend that is Nev. Uh, if you want to find out a little bit more about the legend that is Nev, he's got his own little website. That he is all he has. He has is you know, which is all about the world of NevTech and it's www.nevtech.org.uk that's www.nevtech.org.uk and he discusses all his all about his aviation passion and and uh, how to get in contact if you uh, need some kind of audio broadcasting and video solution 
So uh, for those of you who obviously follow us when we do the air show sort of bits and pieces each year, uh, we've got uh, two kind of bits of information for you guys and girls who live in the UK or if you're across this side of the world uh, this summertime. Uh, me and Matt are going to be doing live shows this year uh, from two of our local air shows here in uh, in the UK and um, just to give you a, a hint or the uh, or note or note on the dates I should say uh, the first one we'll be covering live we're going to be doing a live stream from both of these air shows uh, so if you remember last year we done a live stream from the seething charity air day and mm. uh, we're going to be doing the same again this year but uh, the first one in the diary will be on the 30th of July this year uh, me and Matt are going to be at the old Buckingham air show uh, I had a really nice meeting last Saturday with uh, with the guys there, and they're going to uh, well, they're going to look after us very well on the Sunday, the thirtieth of July. That's the old Buckingham Air Show, and uh, if you want to take yourselves over to to their website, on it's uh, all the W's www.oldbuckingham. That's B-U-C-K-E-N-H-A-M Airshow.co.uk, and we'll put the links to these in the show notes as well. Uh, but if you are uh, in the UK, in and around uh, East Anglia, and you want to come over and see me and Matt, we'll be there on the Sunday, the 30th of July, and we'll also be streaming the show, the entire air show, live through the day via our wonderful satellite link that um, that Matt loves setting up. <laughs> and mm -hmm. also, uh, another air show, like I said before, we'll be covering again this year, uh, is on the 20th of uh, August. That'll be the seeding. Uh, charity Air Day uh, at Seething Airfield. Uh, so we'll be there Sunday, the 20th of August. Uh, if you want to take yourselves over to www.seething, that's S E E T H I N G, uh, slash uh, airfield.co.uk. We'll put the links in the show notes in the for show the show. Notes, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, and we'll be doing the same thing there again as well. We'll be streaming the air show live uh, from there. So hopefully we'll have plenty of people in the chat room mm. and also some great live interviews as well with hopefully, pilots yeah, well. yeah. uh, from the various display teams at both of those mm. air shows. Yeah, indeed. Uh, obviously, uh, Pip was on the show earlier. If you want to go and you must listen to the uh, Plane Safety Podcast, it is www.planesafetypodcast.com and that's where you will find uh, the uh, his show. The last episode he posted, he is got, he, there's one apparently hopefully coming this week, um, uh, is uh, literally the Not in Pittsburgh special PSP <laughs> 41, uh, which obviously he was very thrilled uh, not to have been there. <laughs> Yes, we did miss. We did miss you, We pick. did very we much. Did so. It wasn't the same you. without him. It really wasn't. I know. I know. But, we did miss uh, him. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget, of course, you can buy our T-shirts. Yes. If you want to, www.playthismonthtalkinguk.com no forward slash store, and you will find uh, those that say, take yourself to our website, www.plaintalkinguk.com, and there is Mr. Caton modelling uh, one of our marvellous, yes, with our very special beer. Uh, they're, um, you know, there's it's a great way of owning a nice piece of uh, uh, a really good quality t-shirt fruit of the loom t-shirt with some quality embroidery it's got an embroidered logo mm. and also uh, some screen printing on the back and it's a great way of also helping to contribute towards the show so uh, 
and which you also can through Patreon as well. Don't yep. forget our awesome Patreoners that uh, that donate to the show each month. If you want to mm. donate to the show and uh, help uh, help keep us running the show, you can take yourselves over to our website, and there's a Patreon link on there. There is, um, which uh, we yep. very much appreciate. We do very much so. So that is where we bring episode number oh, one hundred and sixty nine really? <sighs> to a close. That is the end. I'm afraid it's uh, we our, didn't get our, Brian back. I know, but you know, there we are. It's that, that's the way he, it is. Yeah, I'll but tell you what, he got down to DMV, yeah. and it, they said <laughs> he's now in prison. Said, yeah. blow in his tube, <laughs> yeah, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian blew in the tube. Yes, and, and now it beeped. Yeah, absolutely. And and he's not been allowed to leave. <laughs> uh, so that's great. So, but on a serious note, thank you so very much to Brian who joined us earlier in the show. Yeah, it was great to have his contribution. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get him on the show again uh, oh, yeah. very soon, uh, where we perhaps he can stay for the whole show. That will be great. But from all of us here, that is where we bring one six nine to a close. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you all next Take week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.